Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast, a podcast about all things movie, TV, with the occasional restaurant review, and it really finds its voice on episode 46. On this week's show, we are getting spooky with the release of Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters Afterlife, the third <clears throat> film in the Movie Mouth favorite Ghostbusters franchise. And we'll be bringing you not only our verdict during the review session, but also a standalone bumper spoiler-filled discussion as its own show. In the review section, we also have watched Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, and Gal Gadot in Movie Stars the Movie. Oops, no, sorry. It's Netflix's Red Notice. And Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, and... Oh, 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 ah, Al Pacino in... Ridley Scott's House of Gucci. I got Gucci coming out of my fucking ears! Oh. All this, plus in our recurring video store corner classic film discussion, we sit down to watch a film chosen by you, our listeners, via an Instagram poll. Yes, lock up your automobiles. It's Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton's 1984 cult oddball classic, Repo Man. On top of it all, we'll be discussing the latest film news, trailer reactions, and throwing in as much movie geekery as you've come to expect from the Movie Mouth team. This is Miles, and as ever, I am joined by a man who once said, Value your time in this life, kid, because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices, and it goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. Your 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? Your 40s, you grow a little pot belly and you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud and one of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. Your 50s, you have minor surgery. You call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. Your 60s, you have a major surgery. The music is still loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. 70s, you and your wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. You start eating dinner at 2 in the afternoon, lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. And you spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate in soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? By the 80s, you've had a major stroke. And you just end up babbling to some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but who you call mama. Any questions? It's Phil. Hi, Phil. How are you? <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> name that movie. Can you name that movie? I can't name the movie. What is it? I'll give you one, I'll give you one guess. Oh, God. Could you name the actor? It wasn't a great impression. No. Okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all I know is that you're like incredibly proud of yourself that you did that in one go. Yes, is the correct answer. It, uh, aren't you? You're like screaming inside like you, you, you're like, I've, I fucking nailed it. Because I, I, I ran through it once and I screwed it up at times. Oh, right, so well, I'm just happy that know, I did it live. Red, well you know you don't have actually the red light syndrome as they call it in the business i don't have red light syndrome but it is hard when you remember these things you know i've just remembered remembered that from scratch um <laughs> it is of course uh billy crystal from city slickers oh my god yes it is now i know I, <laughs> it's all clicking <laughs> into place it's all I city slicking into space so okay. how have you been have you been city slicking this week uh i've been no i've, I've just been i've been busy i've been a busy boy you yeah, have haven't you busy with work yeah. busy with with life but i've done nothing oh. as cool as you've been doing have i because i know uh, what you've been doing hang on wait well i thought i turned my my webcam off after the last podcast oh, i can access that you know I know. and the microphone uh, yeah and that as well oh dear god uh, i'm the technical whiz in this operation you should know that well technical whiz slash pervert it would appear but voyeur <laughs> yeah but I know exactly what you've been doing. You've been swanning around the New York area dressed as a Ghostbuster, haven't you? Listen, at the end of the day, busting makes me feel good. And if you're going to bust ghosts, bust them in, in New York City, basically. Perhaps, well, 100%. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I posted this on our on our Movie Mouth Instagram. Um, but I, I don't know what it is. I, I maybe had some kind of brain aneurysm or have some kind of growth in my in my brain but i yeah. i woke up one day and i decided that i was going to go see the preview an early preview of jason reitman's ghostbusters afterlife dressed as a ghostbuster in screen accurate mostly screen accurate attire yeah. um and uh and i did it <laughs> that's nothing to be ashamed of it was, 
No, I don't know. I felt a little. <laughs> I felt a little unusual. If he didn't have a girlfriend, then you know. Yeah, that's true. The fact the fact is is that I still have a girlfriend. You st- she that. is still there. She didn't leave me. No, she actually came with me. Is what she did. Then and held my hand through the about? hard moments. What have you got to worry about? When you were nervous <laughs> about walking out of the apartment the first time. Yep. You were like, oh, I'm going to feel like a prick. I fuck yes. it, I'm doing it anyway. Yes. I hope so. Yeah, I, in anyway. my mind, you had cleaning up the town, blasting on your phone, and you just ran out of your apartment. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. So basically, I, I, I live, you know, uptown in Manhattan, and I uh, went to Times Square to see the movie, which was where mm. the preview was, which is, you know, also the busiest place on earth. So if you're yep. going to go, be loud and proud, you know, do it in Times Square, do it in style. Which, is, which is what I did. So I, I hopped down there. I actually got an Uber down there because I was late for the film, but uh, yeah. just got Cop out. There. Yeah, it was annoying, actually. I was a bit annoyed because I wanted to walk around. But I was running through Times Square. The Uber dropped us off, and I was running through Times Square. And as I was running, I heard this guy, this crazy guy, come out of the subway station. And you must have just seen me run past him in full Ghostbusters attire with the the, the proton pack, everything, a trap, everything, dangling off my yeah. belt. And he yeah. just started shouting, Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? As I ran past him. And I was like, Ghostbusters! And then I disappeared around <laughs> the corner. you were in the movie. He thought he was saving the day started playing in your head, didn't it? Saving the day. Yeah. And then (laughs) it was weird because because I got to the theater and went into the screening and it was pitch black, sat down in the screening. So no one really knew that I was dressed as a Ghostbuster. And that at that point I felt really uncomfortable because I'm like, well, I've dressed up and now I'm just sitting here in the dark dressed as a Ghostbuster and no one really knew that I did that, you know? And at the end of the movie, this woman turned next to me. She was there with her young son. And she turned next to me and she said, um, I saw the original film. It's one of my favorite movies. And I never imagined that I would see the latest Ghostbusters film sitting next to an actual Ghostbuster. And she's like, can I have a picture with you? And I was like, yeah. And I thought yeah. that was it. I thought that was it. I thought that was the peak moment. Yeah. But no, because then I walked out into the lobby and it, as it turned out, there were two other guys dressed as Ghostbusters in the same gear as me, which by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you can find on Amazon. You can find the you can find everything that you need to create a Ghostbusters a decent Ghostbusters outfit on Amazon, all right, or yeah, right. probably you know somewhere else. Um, but anyway, and I walked out and they're wearing the same stuff, and there was they said, oh, I think we should get a picture together." I said, "Absolutely, we should." And we stood to get a picture, the three of us together, as everyone's exiting the the cinema screen, and we were sitting there thinking, "Well, there's only three of us." All of a sudden, this massive tall guy in glasses walks out, dressed as Egon Spengler. And walks up to us and he says, do you, do you mind if I, do you mind if I join? And we were like, no, please. We need a fourth member. We need an Egon. And he's like, oh, great. And he joined us. And as we stood there, there were probably around 30 or 40 people who just wanted to get pictures with us and hang out with us. And we, we took a ton of pictures with people and uh, it was really fun. We met loads of, loads of cool Ghostbusters fans of all ages. Um, and, uh, and then decided to take the subway home. So I walked back, uh, through the busiest subway station in the world, which is 40, the 42nd Street Times Square subway terminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, people were coming up to me on the platform and you could see some people taking sneaky pictures. I was waving at some people and stood on the, on the train on the, way, on the way home. And that was it. I kind of got home. I was like, that was a, that was a, real, that was a real moment. Yeah. It was a real moment. I wish I it was, was like a, a dream moment. I wish I would have made too. it better, right? If I was there dressed as Ray. 100%. One hundred percent. And we were strutting thing down is, Times Square together. Yeah, and the we, Ghostbusters think, walk from the video. We could have just got married. We would have just got married. Probably, that's yeah. how. That's how we get married. You and I. Yeah. You know, you leave your wife. I leave my girlfriend. We just the dress tra- up as Ghostbusters, and I would have the ring in a trap, so I'd throw it out <laughs> and then press the button on the trap, and it, the ring would fly out. Now that would be you would you would yeah you would open the trap and it would suck out all of my non monogamy. That's what it would do. You would take my soul, basically. Yeah. You know, you would take yeah. my soul. And that's marriage, guys. That's yeah. marriage. So anyway, uh, moving on, <laughs> we will talk about uh, Ghostbusters after Afterlife later in the in the podcast. Um, but uh, we, we're going to jump straight into the news, I think, Phil, if, if that's good with you. Yes. Um, 
And, uh, you know, obviously we just announced that we do have a Ghostbusters Afterlife spoiler special, which will be dropping very soon, probably not long after this episode. So if you have seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, it will have all the spoiler, spoilerific information about that movie. We are going to review it later in this episode, but we're not going to go into any spoilers whatsoever. Um, we know what would spoil this movie and we're not going to talk about any of that stuff. So please hold on for that. And, you know, as ever, the uh, spoiler special for Ghostbusters Afterlife will be available for free, as are all of our episodes, um, on all of your podcast player of choice very soon. And we will update that. Phil. Yes. The bees! The bees! You've got some news for us, haven't you? I do. I do. Sorry, I just got your link then. Uh, yeah, all right. I'll start with. I'll start with that then. This is the news that Nicolas Cage is to star as Dracula in a Universal monster movie Renfield. So, uh, in this report, it says in a deal signed with Vampire's Kiss, Cage is returning to a big studio movie and will play the meaty role of Dracula in Universal Pictures' monster movie, Renfield. Um, Nicholas Holt is starring as the titular character. The vampire counts infamous acolyte and henchman in the feature directed by Chris McKay, uh, the helmer behind Amazon's The Tomorrow War and the Lego Batman movie, um, both of which I am a fan of. Um, so the character of Renfield is uh, from Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula. Uh, and he's a patient in an asylum <laughs> with an obsession for drinking blood, uh, deluded into thinking he will find immortality. I mean, if that is not a Nicolas Cage role, I really don't know what is. Um, <laughs> I mean, he is um, immortal, isn't he? He can't be killed. Well, yeah, I guess so. Hmm. So, yeah, it, it's not. It's no like. It's not loads of info out about this, but uh, I'm excited. <laughs> I think. I think what is. I mean, we're always excited for Nicolas Cage news. It's funny because yeah. we always talk about the movies he's going to be in, and I. I don't think I've seen any of them in recent in recent memory. No. Um, but this is his really return to major studio production because it's been a while i mean you know he's been in a lot of indie movies and he's been picking up these kind of paychecks but he he it's is starring a in a universal monster movie as you say opposite nicholas holt who is a yeah. fairly big deal you know in in movie making these days i think is, yeah. is interesting i yeah. think it'd be great to see him you know back in back in i a, think he'll make a, a good dracula i can picture him as dracula oh my i mean it's gonna be incredible as yeah. dracula <laughs> i'm definitely gonna see this, this is, i'm definitely gonna see this um uh and and speaking really of, creepy well yeah it is it's, he's definitely gonna be creepy especially if he's got weird a weird wig on which he no doubt will have some kind of he's gonna weird have the same wig. hair he had in face off exactly the same like a thin yeah. veil of hair yeah with a misting of hair um but yeah and talking about things uh getting sucked uh, Channing Tatum confirmed this week via Twitter that he'll be unzipping his pants and grinding his crotch in audiences' faces once more <laughs> as Mike Lane in Magic Mike's Last Dance. <laughs> um, uh, but other than the obvious reasons, this is actually quite exciting for a few other reasons, Notab notably in the fact that uh, Steven Soderbergh is returning to direct this after he directed the first one, Yeah, um, which is which is good. Uh, he obviously helmed the, the 2012 original. Um, and then Gregory Jacobs directed the sequel, which was Magic Mike XXL uh, in 2015. Uh, Gregory Jacobs is going to produce this one. This is also written by the by Reed Carolyn, who wrote the first two movies. Um, right. And uh, Channing, also, Channing Tatum also confirmed that this is going to be released for HBO Max. So it's going to be a straight-to-home release for those of you that have access to HBO Max um, in the US and, and around the world. Beyond that, there's very little else is known about it, but, you know, no doubt with the same people here also, you know, making up very much a, a strong ensemble. Um, I think it's good. And I actually really like the two Magic Mike movies, I've strangely. Very good. They're, I mean, it's basically Rocky for strippers, is what it is. Oh, um, okay. Which I don't is even what know they should have put on the poster. I'm honest. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, so get your pouch ready, Phil, and your little leather hat. My posing pouch. We're going back to, to the Magic Mike universe. I'm going to dust off the posing pouch. Yeah. 
So tell us about any trailers you've watched this week. Is anything fun? Trailers? Well, yes. Um, I don't know if I've been living under some sort of rock, but I saw the trailer for Nightmare Alley. So, and this is the new Guillermo del Toro film, which is hugely exciting. Um, uh, It's based on the 1946 novel of the same name, so Nightmare Alley, uh, and the novels by William Lindsay Gresham. Um, So the film focuses on Stan Carlyle, who's played by Bradley Cooper, uh, and he's an ambitious carny who hooks up with a corrupt psychiatrist Dr. Lilith Ritter, played by Kate Blanchett, uh, who proves to be more dangerous than he is. So this looks like, have you seen the trailer for this? Have you seen I have. This? I've seen it twice, yeah. actually. It looks really cool, doesn't it? It looks pure Del Toro visually. It looks amazing. I love Del Toro's style. Um, but I think it looks like quite a, um, quite a different type of story for him as well. Well, I, th- I think I think you're right. It looks it looks amazing, very yeah. visually striking. But yeah, I don't know what it's about from the trailer. And and no. I remember I've seen this a couple of times in the cinema, and I've and and I've heard a few people kind of go, "What? What? What yeah. is that? What is I this? get that. I do get it's that. It's an unusual trailer. It doesn't yes. really give you any kind of consistent plot points to kind of follow, does it? No. But Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, William Defoe, or Willem, Willem. Sorry, I always mm. say William Defoe, don't I? Mm. Call him Bill Willem. Bill Bill Defoe. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I'm excited. I always like Del Toro stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. I'll be I, uh, I'll be watching that. Yeah, I mean I I agree. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I don't know. For me the jury's out on it a little bit. I think they're they're kind of underselling it, you know, they're selling it on Del Toro's name and on a lot of the visuals. But I do just worry that maybe I don't know. Del Toro for me can be quite hit and miss. Right. Um, late, you know, I think there's, he's obviously had quite a few more, more hits than misses, I would say. Yeah. But, mm, we shall, we shall see. We shall see. We shall, yeah. we shall see. We shall see. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll move on into reviews. We'll jump straight into reviews because we've got a pretty packed schedule this week on the podcast. We do, we've got a we? lot of stuff to go into. Yeah. And obviously, you know, with a lot of, um, a lot of big movie releases. Um, I think, well, I, I think there's only one place that we can really start, isn't there, with the movie reviews? I think we've waited. Yeah, I mean, we've waited long enough for this movie, haven't we? Like 30 years. And finally... Uh, at least. <laughs> 30, yeah, at least. And finally, we've got Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, and Gal Gadot in one movie. Um, it's... <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Who are you going to call, Phil? Uh... Ghostbusters. It is absolutely Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, 32 years after stopping the despotic spirit or painting Vigo the Carpathian, Scourge of Carpathia, Ghostbusters have disbanded after a decline in supernatural activities in New York. Egon Spengler is relocated to Somerville, uh, a small town in Oklahoma, where Gozerian cultist Evo Shandor's mining operation is located. Egon captures a bestial entity from one of the mines, aiming to lure a more powerful entity to his farm and trap it. But when his final ghost bus goes wrong, it's up to Callie, Egon's estranged daughter, and her two children, Trevor and Phoebe, to find the truth about him and take down the evil that threatens humanity. Firstly, we will not spoil this movie beyond the description of it, which I plucked straight from the internet. Um, and we will provide, as I said before, a full spoiler special at the at the end or following this episode so that you can check that out. We'll give you obviously plenty of warning um, on that episode as well. This film is lovingly and meticulously directed by son of the original two movies directors, Ivan Reitman, by Jason Reitman. Actually, he was actually on set during the first Ghostbusters film. You remember, yeah. Phil? Um, the big crowd scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Outside 450 Central Park West. Yeah. AKA been Spook there. Central. Dana Barrett's yeah. apartment. We've been there. Been there. Yeah. Been outside, yeah. like nerds. Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> the <laughs> traveler the people. Come. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so when I say lovingly and meticulously, this has got some really 
It's got a lot of callbacks to the original first Ghostbusters movie, I would say, and some to the second movie. Um, it's it it follows a very similar plot line to the original Ghostbusters movie to some extent. Um, and again, not going into any spoilers on that. Um, but it also delves into some really nice effects, a lot of practical effects that are used um, for some of the particular ghosts that you will recall from the, from previous movies, and some CGI, which also, but it is also still kind of lovingly presented. You will have seen the mini puffs in the trailer, the little mm-hmm. stay puff marshmallow men in the in the in the scene with Paul Rudd, um, and the new ghost muncher in this, who. Uh, <laughs> muncher who's kind of a slimer kind of replacement except he eats metal uh and uh, he's pretty cool i quite liked him um, I like him. he was also interestingly voiced by josh gad which uh really yeah yeah which isn't really said or spoken about but yeah he was he was the voice of, of muncher um oh. one, one thing that's always disconcerting as seen with sony's misfiring all female ghostbusters in 2016 is a new cast of characters coming in to bust some ghosts in the place of four absolutely irreplaceable actors from the original two movies. And the secret of Ghostbusters Afterlife's success is its casting with casting director uh, John Papsidera, um, no stranger to casting unknown young actors uh, in films such as Dunkirk, for example. Here bringing together McKenna Grace as Phoebe and Stranger Things' Finn Wolfhard as Trevor, and also the amazing and spirited Logan Kim as podcast, who might just be the MVP of this movie. I don't know, but I think he's he's yeah. he's, he's brilliant, uh, especially as two podcasters talking about a fellow podcaster. Um, for our own heart, absolutely. Uh, it's very rare for me to personally enjoy a movie that's being semi rebooted uh, with a newcomer cast like this. But I think that these these three kind of coming into this movie are a triumph. Uh, more inter- more interesting still is the fact that Jason Reitman gives more screen time to the youngest members of the cast, um, say, than the more recognized Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. I thought that was quite an interesting move, quite a bold mm. move. Um, and it works, for me, it works really well. McKenna Grace uh, is a revelation. I think she's going to be a huge star. Um, yeah. and, and she really pulls off this very, very central role um, as a kind of, you know, young, knowing nerdy kid that's moved to a new town um you know think kind of cr- the, the first karate kid movie single mom moving moving her kids across across to another another place fish out of water that kind of story and she carries that off really well another favorite element is how it, it doesn't kind of re-explain a lot of the ghostbusters mythology equipment and things like that they touch on some of these points you know how you know again you have seen in the trailer that that phoebe finds a proton pack you know, you will have seen a, a trap, a ghost trap in the in the trailer. It doesn't go to, to any length to explain what these things are, making it laborious and, and boring and just retreading the same path. Mm. You just kind of figure it out along the way and it lets you figure it out along the way, which I think is a really nice move. Um, and of course, that ending, um, which again, I will not say anything about other than it's emotional, fist-clenching, tear-swelling punch in the gut of an ending. And just re- just remember as well, guys, to stick around for both post-credit scenes this time uh, because there are there are two. And the more you talk about this movie, the more you run the risk of spoiling it. So I'll save it for the spoiler discussion. But I have to say, I absolutely love this. Uh, critics have given this really heartless and con- and pummeling reviews. It, it hasn't performed very well in terms of the actual critic, um, but that's not really who the audience is here. And I actually saw this twice in theaters once in a packed early preview, which was just a full house when I was dressed as a full on ghostbuster. Um, And the second time in an almost empty screening in the middle of the day, save for me and three other middle-aged guys, all watching the boldest love letter to a movie, which filled our youth with so much joy um, and and scares to some extent. Um, Even if there's nothing as shit your pants scary as the library ghost in this, in this film. But at the end of the day, what other critics have failed to see is that busting still makes you feel good. Phil, what did you think? Uh, I can't agree with you more. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was just exactly what we were hoping for. And, you know, after the, well, we can call it a disaster of a third ghostbusters film mm. um yeah i think it was just what 
we it was just what the doctor ordered and especially because it was you know it was on the cards for so long and then delayed uh but i'm glad that he delayed it by it was like a year wasn't it It was like another year's yeah. delay mm. that um apparently you know i think they said that it was because they were he was like refining the cut of it or whatever but i also think it was probably just because they wanted to hang around until it could be released properly yeah uh in cinemas you know with with an audience for a release as big as that you know one that's been built up as much as that one so mm. but yeah i absolutely loved it can't agree more with the things you've said and as you said it's hard to talk about it without spoiling it so i'm mm. not going to i think you should go and watch it go and watch it folks ghostbusters afterlife is available in theaters now and gets a huge recommendation from both of us at the Movie Mouth podcast. Phil, I know you're really excited to talk about this one. It's Netflix's Red Notice. Tell us about it. It is. Well, so... Uh, so, the, <laughs> so apparently, this is uh, Netflix's most expensive original film to date. Uh, it's an action-adventure blockbuster that's basically a cross between um, National Treasure, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, and with a bit of Rush Hour thrown in. So super, super original is what you're trying to say. It's yeah. A very original premise. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> you can tell that they've splashed the cash because this stars three of Hollywood's biggest names pretty much at the moment in Dwayne Johnson, uh, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. Um does this though, Miles, and I know you know the answer as you've also seen it, make it a surefire hit? <laughs> well, clearly not, as this is pretty much a giant steaming pile of poop. <laughs> um, it's, it's like to summarize the plot <laughs> Dwayne Johnson plays an FBI profiler called John Hartley who specializes in fine art crime, as you would, whatever, and is forced to team up with the world's second best art thief, Ryan Reynolds, to stop the best, Gal Gadot, uh, from stealing... Because, of course, there's a league table of art thieves in the world, and they're all ranked according to how many heists they've completed. Uh, (laughs) And basically, he's trying to stop the theft of an ancient Egyptian golden egg that once belonged to Cleopatra. Uh, yes, it's as ridiculous as it sounds. And that's fine. But because, you know, I, w- I wasn't really expecting anything more from this after seeing the trailer. So to give the film and cast its due, I found it, I did find it entertaining enough to keep me watching it, just about. But it, it has got some genuinely funny dialogue and scenes. Um, mostly from Ryan Reynolds. It's just playing Ryan Reynolds. And I think the performances that were put into it suit the roles well for the, obviously what they envisaged. It's, as I said, it's Ryan Reynolds doing Ryan Reynolds. It's Dwayne Johnson doing Dwayne Johnson. Uh, and there's some all right action in it as well, I suppose, but it's just painfully unimaginative and predictable. Uh, it's also too long. It's just under two hours long. It's way too long. It went on for, it felt like it was too long. Um, And I think that the fact for me was that it's so heavily green screened um, for a lot of the film. Like you can tell that the actors aren't in the place that they are for most of the film. uh, it's a bit, and it's quite distracting because I tend to pick up on things like that just because I look for them because I'm sad like that. I look for those kind of things in films. I love the technical aspects of filmmaking and visual effects and things like that. But and so I can notice when it sort of takes you out of it a bit when it's that obvious. Uh, not that it like looked bad. It's just that it oh, just, you can it just was tell. unbearable. Yeah, it was yeah. unbearable from from the very opening scene where they're supposed to be in Italy to a scene where they're supposed to be in Paris. And it, it was awful, awful. Yeah. But I, you yeah. know, I don't know how much of it was, was their fault and how much of it was COVID because this film was completed during the pandemic. It was, it was a while ago. Yeah. 
I think the the biggest distraction for me, though, however, and one that I found equally <laughs> equally baffling and hilarious was the fact that they decided to tell the main um, bad guy to do the voice <laughs> in like the strangest accent <laughs> you've ever heard. He's basically <sighs> quite a young guy. Like, what's his name? It's Chris. Uh, Look at this old pistol that I've got yeah, here. He basically it's sounds... a pistol that I like to do. Would you like a <laughs> cup of tea? I'm going to electrocute your testicles right now. Yeah, he sounds like a cross between Gandalf the Grey and Abraham Simpson. <laughs> it's just like, why did they give that character? Like, you look at that guy, that voice does not suit that character. He sounds like an old man. Oh, I'd like to strangle you, my boy. I'm going to strangle your coat until you die. It's just, I've filled my pot beans. It's just insane. It's absolutely insane. And I, it was odd as fuck, basically. I couldn't get over it, how such an odd decision was made for that. But it made it more entertaining, so fair enough. So, yeah, if you want to watch big-budget stars in a big-budget movie not doing a particularly good job or anything memorable, uh, you know, go and watch Red Notice. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's, it is the kind of film, and I say this a lot, it's the kind of film you can just stick it on. You don't have to worry about concentrating on it. It, um, Well, because if you did, it would make, make you a bit angry <laughs> how shit it is. So, yeah, um, I'm not going to recommend it, but it's entertaining enough just about to be viewable. I think Miles is screwing up his face in disgust. I'm, I'm screaming inside, but I, I do I agree with everything you said, to be honest. I, uh, I hated it with a passion. It took me, I think it took me four watches to get through the whole wow. two and a bit hours. You prolonged this. that. I wanted to drag the TV up the avenue near my apartment into Central Park and just swing it around my head like Crocodile Dundee <laughs> with that thing. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I hated it, and I, I even, I even that one thing I would disagree with you on, and it's just a disagreement. It's not, you know, um, yeah. it's not a, a decision. But I found even Ryan Reynolds. I think he's getting old hat now with the same shtick, and mm. it was like, as you say, you were totally right. It was Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds and The Rock playing The Rock. But come on, man! Like it was just gratuitous you know it was just too much and it was just whip whip sharp you know dialogue which it never ends and it's just it's relentless relentless there was no there were no standout jokey moments i can't remember anything i remember something about him saying uh why are you wearing a hairnet you're bald you know yeah no there's a few lines that made me laugh uh, there's a big, and I suppose it was done on purpose, clearly. But the big advert for Ryan Reynolds Gin Company. Both of them. There was there was a <laughs> yeah Aviator Gin, and there was a Dwayne Johnson's liquor in there as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a bit cynical, I think, of Netflix to to say, okay, we're going to take 200 million, we're going to find these three, you know, hot box office hits right now. Probably the three biggest box office hits, you know, right now in terms of actors put them in a movie that we don't really have a plot and we're just going to figure out a movie and throw it together in a mush and anything we don't have, we'll just create it from scratch and we'll green screen it. And when they don't have run out of ideas, they just copy Indiana Jones. Yeah. And then they bring in, hello there. Hello. Hello. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) This is the way I like to kill people. It's strangling you with a black glove. I'm a young looking man, but I speak like this. I'm 37 years old, but I speak like this. You see, and I've, I've fallen for Jewish problems. I've fallen. Call my son. Um, I'm eating a cherry tomato atop of Minas Tirith. <laughs> the steward of Gondor. <laughs> Faramir is such a disappointment. Um, I popped pop that cherry tomato like an eyeball. I pop, popped it like a fucking grape. Um, <laughs> terrible. Anyway, uh, moving on from one classic to another. Uh, yes, it's another Ridley Scott movie um, following on from The Last Duel that we reviewed last week, which was the Matt Damon, Ben Affleck starring medieval romp. Um, this is House of Gucci. Um, so this is when 
uh, based on a, on a true story. If you've seen the trailer for it, pretty fun looking trailer. Uh, this is uh, based on the a book actually of the same name, and the, the, this the, which is obviously based on the true story. This is this sees Patrizia Reggiani, played by Lady Gaga, an outsider from humble beginnings who marries Adam Driver's Maurizio Gucci, uh, and ultimately marries into the Gucci luxury brand family. Her unbridled ambition begins to unravel their legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. Um, where can I start? I'm going to try and... I'm going to start on the cast because that's probably the big selling point here is that there's an awesome ensemble. So you've got Lady Gaga, um, who obviously is, you know, coming back to quote-unquote serious acting uh, again. Um, Adam Driver, um, who was also in The Last Duel, uh, Scott's previous film, um, who is, I think, both of, of whom, are, by the way, are very, very good in this film. Um Lady Gaga, probably more of a standout. They're joined by the an ensemble, which includes Jeremy Irons, uh, Al Pacino. Um, you've even got um, you've even got Jared Leto in here. Uh, so it's a really it's a really bold cast. You know they've they've gone all out with the cast. Probably the biggest selling point. Probably the thing that was is most of interest to most people. I think with this with this story. When you talk about the cast. You talk about some incredible character actors and Lady Gaga. We don't really know what she is yet, but she's definitely forging her way in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, the one issue with this cast is the accents. So this is clearly a story about an Italian family in Italy, um, played by the majority of which are Americans, um, who all decide to do Italian accents while speaking English, mm-hmm. um, which is. To some extent, me, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're not far from oh, it. No. Let's go. Let's you're not far go. from it. Um, that some of whom get away with it. Uh, Adam Driver, you can imagine, gets away with it as an awesome mm. character actor. Lady Gaga, yeah. she drifts from Milan to Moscow, I would say, uh, oh. with her with her accent. Um, and... Jared Leto, who turns up in the most bizarre bald head comb over prosthesis um, and goes off on these bizarre tangential monologues about nothing. Um, for example, uh, uh, did I ever tell you the story of a two mooses? Uh, the two moose, uh, they fall into the bucket of the cream and the moose that pedal the hardest. It, it's like this through the whole fucking movie. And wow. I, I I was honestly sitting there every time Jared Leto was on screen, I was grimacing. I went with my girlfriend to watch this, and she was looking at me laughing every time Jared Leto came on screen because I was just cringing. I was in my seat. I was like cringing, like someone had injected my spine with VX gas. I was just convulsing. I was convulsing. I was physically recoiling in my chair. I was folding in half. Yeah. Jared Leto appears to be in a different movie. I don't really know what this movie, whether this movie is a serious movie or whether it is a comedy or or what. But I can tell you that Jared Leto comes into this and he is in he is uh, Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. Uh, well, it's funny you say that because when you said about the bald come over thing and then being a bit out there, I thought that's it. That's exactly, exactly who that. sprang to mind. It's it, it, it's so bizarre. You're watching like Al Pacino and all these other serious actors, Adam Driver, have a serious conversation. And then, you know, fucking Jared Leto walks in in a bald cap with a comb over and an orange peel nose and a bright purple suit going, there's mooses on the floor, there's mooses on the floor. Yeah, And you're just like, what the, f- what is, what is this film? So <laughs> what's happening? Because the tone is all over the place, um, it, it, it makes it a fairly uncomfortable watch. But it's also a very watchable film. It's it, it, it's something about it. it's like watching a slow motion car wreck. It's like watching two cars collide at different speeds and watching everything happen at the same time. And it's beautiful and crazy and weird at the same time. Wow. Um, in 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 the words of the 
uh, Gucci brand revitalizer, Tom Ford, who uh, is portrayed in this movie and, of course, is a film director in his own right and runs his own brand. He said that he laughed a lot, even though he wasn't sure if that was the idea of the movie. Um, this movie could end up being a really camp cult classic. Uh, but for now, while the dust is still settling for me, unfortunately, I, I have to give it a miss. Um, mm-hmm. But watch it. I, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't watch it. I'm saying maybe watch it, but I'm not saying it's... I'm not saying I can recommend it as a as a, as a movie. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, but, I've, got, I've got to admit, when I saw the trailer for it, I think I saw the trailer for it like when, before I went to see um, No Time to Die. Mm. And I was just like, I've got, it's Ridley Scott, and it's all the, it's Pacino, and it's all those amazing actors, and I've got no desire to see it <laughs> at all. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm not, yeah, it was just of a subject that I wouldn't necessarily be interested in. That's not, you know, it's not to say like, you know, I don't find films interesting about subjects I'm not into. But I, I wasn't like, wow, I've got to see that. And normally, mm. anything with Ridley Scott's name on it, I want to see it. Mm. Yeah, bit weird. I think you're right. I think there's a lot of marketing around this. I think it's it's been somewhat a hit because of the marketing and the the market marketability of the cast. As you say, it looks mm. great. It's shot really well. Um, Cinematography is awesome. The locations are awesome. You know, watching a movie like Red Notice and you've got fucking the Louvre green screen behind Dwayne Johnson's giant head. You know, you're not really, you know, you're not really in the movie. This is in Italy and it's in the Alps and it's it looks great. You know, there's some great stuff here. The outfits are cool, you know, all all that stuff. And it is, you know, it's a well put together movie. It's not to say, you know, by me as a someone that doesn't make films that it's, uh, you know, that these this is it was all in vain. It was a it's a bad movie. Um, it's just a it's just a very strange toned movie, which I think doesn't have a lot to say so much. Really, you're just following this story, and ultimately, it falls foul of a very big issue that a lot of Hollywood films have these days which is none of the cast, none of the actors, sorry, none of the, the, the characters are likable by any stretch. And therefore, there's no true protagonist or antagonist. Yeah. You're just watching a bunch of people that you don't really like hate each other and ultimately someone kills somebody. So that's, that's House of Gucci. That's available uh, in theaters, cinemas worldwide right now. Make up your own mind uh, if you know, you're, you're that way inclined. But I think by far and away, Film of the week this week, Phil. Ghostbusters Afterlife. By a long way. By a long stretch. Well, speaking of incredible films, Phil, I think it's it's time for this, isn't it? Okay, so for our new listeners, Video Store Corner is our classic film discussion section where we'd like to rent a movie, quote unquote, from the video store era and sit down to watch it, just like back in the old days. And then we discuss it in a spoiler-filled discussion. We release our Video Store Corner picks each week on our Instagram account to give you a little time to watch it so that you can watch along with us in anticipation of the podcast. So head on over to our Instagram and search for at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit follow to be alerted to when we're announcing the next Video Store Corner movies that you, the listener, can choose to vote on. And for that, a big thank you to our subscribers for their verdict on our Instagram poll for this particular issue of the Video Store Corner. This movie won by a majority of 70% to 30% against Stephen King's carborn horror, Christine Phil. What the hell did we watch this week? <laughs> I'm still trying to work that one out. Uh, so we watched 1984's Repo Man, which I think I'd not seen it before. Had you seen it before? Absolutely not. Right. Okay. I still don't know you if I have re- seen it. You would have remembered. <laughs> right. Um, let me give you the plot. Stick with me here. Listeners, well, so, frustrated punk rocker Otto 
quits his supermarket job after slugging a co-worker and is later dumped by his girlfriend at a party. Wandering the streets in frustration, he is recruited in the repossession of a car by a repo agent. After discovering his parents have donated his college fund to a televangelist, he joins the repossession agency called the Helping Hand Acceptance Corporation as an apprenticed repo man. During his training, he is introduced into the mercenary and paranoid world of the drivers, befriended by a UFO conspiracy theorist, confronted by rival repo agents, and discovers some of his one-time friends have turned to a life of crime. Uh, he is lectured to near cosmic unconsciousness by the repo agency grounds worker and finds himself entangled in a web of intrigue concerning a huge repossession bounty on a 1964 Chevy Malibu driven by a lunatic government scientist with top secret cargo in the trunk. <laughs> I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think I like I like how IMDb has the description of this. It kind of it sums it up, but it it definitely doesn't make it. I think it makes it more watchable than what you've just said because what you just said is madness. It's unbridled <laughs> it's madness. madness. It's Man. madness. Um, a young punk recu- recruited by a car repossession agency finds himself in pursuit of a Chevy Malibu that is wanted for a twenty thousand dollar bounty and has something otherworldly stashed in its trunk. Yeah, see, that makes it sound more intriguing. It does. But what you've just done is you've explained how madcap, balls-to-the-wall insane the movie Repo Man. I've told you what it's actually about. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I. It was a surprising film, wasn't it? Yeah. There was a lot of... It was... <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on. Well, no, it was not that. It's just that I was shocked at it, what it was about. Yeah, what it was. Because it's a comedy. It's a oh. comedy, but by a long way, isn't it? But it's it's very odd. It's just an odd. Odd is the word. It's my review mm. of this film. Odd. Yeah. Is it a comedy? <laughs> <laughs> is it a comedy? Yeah. Or is it just? It's just batshit insane like it's just it's just no there's some really I, I think i've ever seen a movie like this it no, somehow manages to be to have a consistent through through thread line of a plot um and and grounded plot but then also just be completely insane it kind of reminded me a little bit of like some of the the weirder like oliver stone movies like u-turn yeah. And that one with Fassbender, you know, the, 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 no, not the one with Fassbender, the one with um, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Um, uh, like those kind of weird Oliver Stone movies that are a little bit neon glow, a uh, little neon tinge to them. Yeah. I'll tell you what unusual. it reminded me of. It reminded me of They Live. It, do you know what? It's funny you say that because I always mix this up with They Live from the poster to the plot, to everything. It's, it's right. definitely along that. I, I, I always kind of thought I'd seen this, but it was actually just They Live. Do you know what I mean? It looks like a very similar cover. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it's got that weird, like, and I, I think I've actually got a little bit of trivia about that later, but it's that weird, like, theme running throughout it that, like, all the products in it are, like, just named, like, Own plainly. Brand. Yeah, like, on, like, it's like Tesco value, stuff. like, thing. Yeah. So and there's that brilliant bit where he's like, "Do you want to go and get a drink?" And he's like, "Yeah." And then like they turn, they're in the off license, and he's just got a six pack of drink. Yeah, <laughs> like each can says "drink" on it. That's it. Yeah, that was a standout. Um, that was a brilliant moment. That's when I was I knew this film's trying to bring you into the joke, bring you into the yeah. humor of it. Yeah, it. Yeah, but it had a lot to I, say, didn't it? About consumerism, about yeah. Reagan's America, you know, about you know, street punks about the disenfranchised youth. You know, a lot yeah. of a lot of the characters in this are disenfranchised youth. There, there are these punks. You know, uh, there are there are these. Um, there's this this girl, female conspiracy theorist. Uh, you know, interested in aliens. Uh, Layla. Um, you know, obviously Otto Emilio Estevez himself. You know, he's kind of a punk, but he tries to kind of go on the straight and narrow. But really, 
being a repo man is almost a kind of criminal activity of sorts to some extent. Um, yeah. You know, and I thought that was quite interesting. And then you have a lot of the, the paranoia of, you know, the kind of Cold War era US where it comes down to, you know, aliens and UFOs and mad scientists and yeah. all that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, there's even kind of a Greece reference in it where two cars are kind of driving through one of the aqueduct or viaduct it's like yeah it's like the, the drain, la river like, anyway yeah the, the LA, la river like, that you've seen in greece you've drainage. seen it in terminator 2 yeah it's, it's called the la river and they're driving a lot through there and they go up on the banks and all that kind of thing and and it references that um yeah i i, I don't i don't have many feelings on this film i have to say it's not a movie that really made me feel anything um except you know to some extent some some wonderful visual moments and uh a really great soundtrack i have to say yeah i absolutely really loved yeah yeah um but you know i think i think for me the big the big payoff in this movie it's one of those movies where it's hard to really remember the plot Apart from the 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 very last scene, for example, Little Miss Sunshine with the Little Miss Sunshine dance, you know the Rick James dance, you know when they're, they're doing all the, the family gets up on the stage and dances, yeah. Little Miss Sunshine, or Step Brothers with the Catalina wine, the Catalina fucking wine Catalina mixer. wine mixer, yeah, with the yeah. boats and hose, you know, yeah. prestige worldwide thing. Um, this movie for me is all about the end <laughs> because because what is really a kind of crime gang-based like warriors-esque movie about these different you know repo men and street punks and this last these latin brothers and these uh cia agents and mad scientists all kind of converging together at the end of this movie what this film gives you is one of the most bizarre ends to a movie i think you will ever see Uh, absolutely like I would love to see a screenshot of my face for the last like five minutes of this film because it would be just sheer confusion and wonderment. Mm-hmm. The plot I, the plot it, revolves around, as we said, this 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 Chevy Malibu, which there are flyers all around the city for a twenty thousand dollar bounty on it, and everyone keeps bringing it up. Twenty thousand dollars for a car for a Chevy Malibu? Oh, it's a joke, you know. And they find this car at the end of the movie and for no apparent reason it's glowing green completely Mm. glowing green um it's never fully explained well i mean kind of alluded to what happens um and this one character who was my favorite character in this this was i'll try to remember the the character's name was miller who was the the kind of the groundskeeper on the on the repo the repossession lot lot yeah they all worked on played by tracy walter from uh, who Conan Conan he was also Bob the henchman Bob from uh, Tim Burton's Batman remember Bob oh god Bob yeah he Gunn. was yep yeah wow um so he there's this whole he has this whole monologue about conspiracy theories I thought it was brilliant that whole scene was brilliant it was, it was really good in front of the fire like the oil can like, front of the fire, thing, yeah. where he's throwing, like he's throwing like straw hats in the fire <laughs> yeah like, random why shit. why is he throwing these clothes in there anyway so bizarre yeah. Like he's killed someone or something and he's just thrown yeah. it all in. I guess it's, it's the stuff from the cars or whatever yeah, but... that they've repossessed. But yeah, and he goes off on this kind of wild tangent about, you know, this, that and the other about consciousness, shared consciousness and all that kind of thing. And and he, he tells a story about how, how he doesn't drive because driving makes you stupid. So he takes yeah. the bus everywhere he goes so he has time to think, which I quite liked actually. I think there's a little yeah. bit of truth in that. When you drive, like you kind of switch off, don't you? You kind of yeah, right. become one with the machine and you just follow the road. Um. So weirdly, it was unusual at the end of the movie because he, for no apparent reason, walks over to this glowing green car, climbs in it, and uh, gets Emilio Estevez to come in and turns around and Emilio Estevez says to him, uh, you know, Miller, I didn't think you could drive. And he just kind of motions him to get in the car. And the car then takes off. It levitates for a moment and then swoops flies around the city of Los Angeles and there's some really bad effects really 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 bad effects yes 
of it's green terrible. screen, of like a back project, rear projection of, of this car. And you see these little, this car kind of, there was like a model of this car just like flying. It's like a 2D cutout almost, neon yeah. cutout of this car just flying around. Um, and then close-ups of Emilio Estevez with a fan blowing his hair and the city from a different, a completely weird and different angle behind yeah. him, like looking down on the city, but he's kind of looking outwards. It's really weird. And then the car apparently goes into deep space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then the credits roll. Uh yeah. I I just don't I don't know. It's hard to know what to say about this. It really is, because it's so weird. Like I love there's a lot of things I really like about it, like weird little like things like i like that you you know like the guys in the hazmat suits that are like throughout that work for the government or whatever mm-hmm. they're trying to clear up after the you know they're trying to find the car and they're clearing up the mess after they you know after it's traveled through places or whatever mm-hmm. i love the fact that you can hear what those guys are saying in that sort of like through the mask type sound you know that like they're, mm-hmm. they're they're like muttering all the time mm-hmm. those guys and then you've got the weird like agent woman that's got an inexplicable metal hand that just looks. <laughs> she's awful. always got a screwdriver fixing something on it. Yeah, or, yeah. She's got a metal hand for some reason. And then you've got like at the <laughs> the repo yard, you've got like the characters that are based there, and you've got like this copper that's just that's there all the time. That's like completely that they all hate. He's an absolute. They, they all hate, and he's just yeah. like, yeah. There's that weird scene where Otto like. He says like "fuck you," and then he goes on this massive rant about fighting in wars, and like he doesn't earn the right to tell him to go fuck so himself. Weird. So weird. It's really odd. And then, yeah, then you've got that weird scene where uh, there's like the shootout in the shop uh, with like his punk friends, who's like an awful actor, by the way. The guy with the skinhead, the bald guy. Yeah, 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 yeah awful. Yeah, yeah awful actor like really terrible um i i mean i have got some trivia for this you want to do you want to hear some oh, yeah go on then <laughs> all right so no special effects were used to make the chevy malibu glow while parked at the repossession lot instead the car was completely coated with 3m reflective 3M paint, paint. Yeah, at an approximate price of six hundred dollars per bucket. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Um, believe it or not, the company that makes the uh, what are they called like the Xmas, the Christmas tree uh, air fresheners. What are they called? The Magic you know I mean? Tree. Magic, Magic tree. tree. Yeah. yeah, they were a sponsor of the film. Believe it or not, considering they're featured heavily in the film. <laughs> yeah. Um. This is a fun one. When filming began, they only had one 1964 Chevy Malibu. It was stolen a couple of days into filming, forcing the film crew to scramble to find a replacement. Shortly after finding a replacement, the original was recovered by the police undamaged. This was fortunate timing because about a day later, uh, Fox Harris (laughs) severely damaged one of the Malibus by accident plowing into a gasoline pump. In the car wash scene, one of the gas pumps is clearly severely dented up and damaged. This is the pump Fox plowed into in a previous take. That's crazy. Um, ah, yes, this is about the metal hand. Agent uh, Rogers is supposed to have a cybernetic metallic arm. Due to the low budget of the film, the producer was unable to come up with a convincing prop arm. <laughs> Uh, her arm in the film appears to be nothing more than a glove made out of metal threaded cloth. The cheap wow. effect confused numerous viewers as to why other characters in the film were so fa- fascinated by her glove. <laughs> what? Because there's that weird scene in the restaurant when like, he meets up with the, her and the girl and Otto's yeah. in there and then their yeah. punk friends come in and she just like licks her glove. <laughs> yeah, I, Honestly, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was very hungover when I watched this film. <laughs> and I was, I told you, I was even best. more confused. Uh, oh, yeah. So relating to the products, you know, like the... Mm, yeah, so all, yeah. All of the products used in the movie are generic, notable for their blue stripe on white packaging and black text. 
the filmmakers were satirizing a real-life growing trend in American grocery stores at the time, where because of the sluggish 1980s economy, actual generic white packaged foods were popular. Uh, the blue stripe seen in the movie is taken from a real-life blue stripe generic beer can yeah. uh, that was sold by Southern California's Ralph's Supermarkets. The filmmakers chose to mock this as showing how banal uh, American life had become in the early 80s, yeah. including making up their own generic foods like food, meat-flavored, dry gin, and drink, because these products had no advertising and quietly left supermarket shelves by the 1990s. Many modern viewers of this film thinks that Alex Cox, who's the director, made up the generic food idea himself. I, um, I think it's... I think it's a really interesting move. And I think that this movie probably has a lot more to say than I think one viewing of, you know, a hungover podcast co-host and probably you after a couple of beers. Um, actually, you know, it, there's, there's a little bit more depth to it. But I think it's also interesting that, you know, you talk about Alex Cox, the director, the writer, he's British. And, and yeah. I think that he, I found this to be a real slab of Americana of, of a, you know, a sub a subculture of of the nineteen eighties America, um, portrayed as if you know this is someone that grew up like this. You know, so mm. I, f I found that quite interesting and interesting. I just looked up Alex Cox. He's actually originally from Liverpool in the UK, which I think is probably you know a city that had its fair share of punk rock movement in the seventies and you know that kind of thing. So he probably yeah. you know he's 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 probably you know writing from the heart and then repurposing it, but. I definitely had a lot, it had a lot to say about, I think, America, I think. And that was, I think I've really, I think there was definitely something really interesting there. I think because it's, it's kind of, kind of speckled with these moments of bizarreness and comedy and, you know, just, just crazy scenes of things that are happening. Um, and everything's overblown, isn't it? It's super over the top. Yeah. I think that it, it, it makes it, it kind of dumbs down a lot of the the message that maybe they were trying to get across. Yeah, um, maybe. But not not to be a critic about this movie because this is a fun. <laughs> it's a fun movie. Yeah, you know, to watch. It's like you don't know what you're watching, but it's fun. It's just it's a bit of a fever dream of a movie, you know. Yeah. Um, and if you like those kind of weird, you know, eighties action type movies, you know, like They Live, for example, then you probably find something here in this to enjoy i think it's it's a movie that probably should be studied you know to to you know by by more intelligent people than us um to kind of get something out of it but yeah i don't know whether you know i don't know whether i really enjoyed it personally um maybe it was just the wrong time maybe i needed to you know spark up a giant bong full of marijuana and just sit and watch this movie it may it probably would have made more sense i did quite like the fact that napoleon dynamite appeared to be in this film <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that one weird guy scene this. at the end where he's on the hospital bed and like, he's <laughs> yeah. like dead and he moves the cloth and he's like uh, oh no doesn't he go it's really weird. did you notice that yeah he says so hello weird. doesn't he yeah something like that it's so very weird. weird yeah did you know that Lance Henriks, uh, Henriksen was a front runner for the part of the lobotomized driver of the Chevy Malibu? Oh, really? Yeah. Imagine that. That's funny. And uh, Dennis Hopper was considered for the role of Bud. Yeah, that was played by the awesome Harry Dean Stanton, um, mm. who's generally really good in everything that he was that he was in. Obviously, sadly yeah. passed away. Um, he's pretty well known for being in Twin Peaks and mm. um, what else? Alien. He was in, wasn't he? Yeah, Brett from Alien. Um, so you know he's good. Uh, he's he's good in this. You know, because uh, I I like I like some of his like some of his stuff. Um, you know, when he kind of goes off the rails after he gets fired from the repossession lot and all that yeah. kind of thing. That was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, in in the most part, an, an entertaining. I would say it's an entertaining film. Phil. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I think if you want to watch something very different to probably most things you've seen before. You should watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It's good fun. Definitely. Yeah. yeah uh, it's, it's at the opposite end of the spectrum to um, Red Notice. <laughs> when you bit. say. Yeah. Just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. So where can the listeners watch Reaper Man in the UK, Phil? 
it is available to rent on Amazon and uh, on Apple TV, I believe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the streaming services is available to rent. I rented it from Amazon. That's the same here in the US. It's not currently available in any the regular streamers. But three ninety nine on Apple TV or Amazon Prime, you can rent that, watch that, and uh, generally go insane while you watch it. Uh, Reaper Man. Video Store Corner. Thank you, listeners, for voting for that one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be back on the next episode, of course, where we're going to throw up some couple more suggestions for you guys to vote on. Um, But before then, join us on the next Movie Mouth podcast slice of movie and TV-related fun, which will be our Ghostbusters Afterlife standalone spoiler special. But before then, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit subscribe or give us a nice five-star review on your podcast player of choice. Phil. Yes. There is just one last thing to say, isn't there? And you're going to say it. You're going to sing us out, aren't you, with this one? Finally. After you. No. (laughs) I think you should sing just a little bit. No. (laughs) Come on, you usually... You've never sung us out. Just sing us out once. No. (laughs) (laughs) And perform for you. Don't build your performing monkey. All right. Well, if you're going to be like that, I'll say it then, shall I? Yeah, you do. Goodbye. Bye-bye.